trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Well, hello there and welcome to the show. If you're ready to revel in wrong think, I believe we can accommodate you. My friend Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com has stopped by. Eric, how are you today? Well, I'm good, and I'm happy because nobody can fire me. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good <laughs> position to be in. So, uh, uh, I'd love to get your your thoughts on on Tucker Carlson. I mean, I I think uh, I think he uh, he kind of crushed it. Uh, his first video that he released uh, from his basement actually, I think, outdid Fox News prime time by you know an order of magnitude. Well, sure, that, and I think there's a broader point here, which is kind of analogous to the old original Star Wars, where uh, Obi-Wan tells Darth that if you strike me down, I, you know, only become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. And and I think that applies here. Uh, These people, the ones who are responsible for having Tucker fired, are desperate. They're running scared. uh, And it shows. And, you know, they, they fired him, obviously, because he spoke that which must not be spoken of. And all it does is to further delegitimize these mainstream media sources, these conglomerates, these corporations, and cause more people to tune out and turn in, uh, tune in to people like Tucker wherever he lands, and Joe Rogan and all these other people. Uh, they're silencing themselves. Ultimately, I think Fox uh, Fox News stock plummeted by something like a third the day after Tucker was fired. Isn't that right? I think so. They had a Bud Light moment, apparently. <laughs> right. Exactly. You know, and I, I, you know, I think I understand it to an extent in that. I spent a, a lot of years uh, working in Washington when I was an editorial writer of the Washington Times, and I would attend uh, parties and events where uh, the elite people would gather, and they talked to themselves. And just picture, uh, you know, a flock of geese, and they're all sort of standing around going, rack, 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 reaffirming themselves to each other. They, they, they are utterly clueless. They don't understand how they're perceived outside of the beltway. Well, it's it's a relief to me to see that people are starting to recognize that uh, it's not about keeping you informed. It's not even about keeping you entertained. It's about keeping you from seeing things that uh, would be inconvenient to the people in power. Sure. You know, notice nothing was said about uh, Tucker having said anything that was wrong, let alone inexcusable. <laughs> they just had to, you know, they had to fire him. And they weren't even honest about that. They came out with this. Uh, in a treacly statement about how they agreed to part ways. No, they didn't. They fired him. I was seeing something uh, just, uh, well, I guess it was just earlier this morning uh, on Twitter, um, and I I can't remember if it was a university president. It was some higher up uh, at at a university, though, who is under fire. Are you ready for this? For liking tweets that questioned the veracity of the official COVID narrative. And, and I mean, they're looking at disciplining and maybe, you know, kicking this guy to the curb because, well, we're very disappointed that he would, uh, that he would do something so reckless as like somebody else's tweet. I think that's happened before, hasn't it? With regard to January 6th, you know, I, I think there have been people who've gotten in trouble for liking anything that runs contrary to the narrative about the quote unquote insurrection. Yeah, it, it sure feels like we're, we're being corralled as far as, you know, what we're allowed to consider and what we're allowed to think about. But uh, I, like you, 
I'm one of those people who the, the harder they try to, to fence me in, the harder I will find a way to be free and to think as freely as possible. Mm-hmm. Now it's a matter of honor. Sure. You know, and they've given up attempting to barrage you with uh, false facts and with uh, shout down words. They're, they just now are so exasperated. All they can do uh, is use the bluntest tool imaginable and shut you down, you know, deplatform you, demonetize you, fire you. And I think if they get their way, they're going to try to do things uh, like grab your money in your bank account like they did in Canada, uh, or perhaps even grab you as they did in Soviet Russia. That's where we're headed. And that's scary, but it's also heartening to me in, in that it's clear these people are losing their grip and that the only way that they can hold on to anything anymore is by putting their hands around people's necks, and people are becoming aware of that fact. So I got to ask you your opinion on, uh, you know, Joe Biden has declared, well, I'm going to run for president again. And uh, I I have this sense that maybe not all is well with uh, with the Biden family. It seems like some accountability could be lurking over the Hunter laptop and just basically all the cash deals for influence that, that appear to lead right back to Biden's bank account. I don't even know that it matters. You know, the, 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 it's obvious he's corrupt at this point. How much more evidence do you need that he and his whole family are corrupt? They're so corrupt. In fact, my understanding is that the and it's not just the Biden people, it's the Democratic Party. They're not even going to allow primary debates because they can't uh, abide the idea of having somebody like RFK Jr. actually you know, say something that Biden might not want to be said in a public forum. That's how sad and desperate it's become. Well, and, and when Biden uh, made his announcement, he had this kind of cryptic statement about, uh, uh, make no mistake, you know, the, the 2024 election is going to be about, do you want more freedom or less freedom? Do you want more rights or less rights? I know how I would answer that question, but he never really said yeah, well, it. Is, I mean, is isn't it, it for more or less? It, isn't it a parody, though, of uh, War is Peace uh, uh, and, uh, and all the stuff that Orwell wrote about in 1984? Literally, we're now at the point where everything they say means the opposite of what they say. No, I think I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, look, I'm to the point now where, uh, for instance, when is it Secretary of Defense, Anthony Blinken, when he says something is going on, you know, in Ukraine, I presume it's the exact opposite of whatever it is he's saying, just because of his job is to get out there and and manage the narrative, which is rarely going to square with reality. Yeah, I mean, it really does help to dissipate the confusion now in that it is almost axiomatic that whatever they say, particularly uh, with stridency and, 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 and fervor is assuredly the opposite of what's the case, you know, whether it's vaccines, whether it's masks, whether it's what's going on in Ukraine, uh, whether it's what's going on with regard to the corruption of Biden's family. Just it's safe to assume it's the opposite of what they say. Yep. And, and stuff like this actually makes me glad that uh, it turns out I'm kind of a book hoarder. I've collected a lot of books over the years. I like to hang on to them. When I move, I usually purge a lot of stuff. Books are always the thing I seem to hang on to. And one of the reasons I'm glad I'm hanging on to them now is because everything is being rewritten. I mean, this is right out of 1984. Oh, yeah, no question. Absolutely. Uh, they and, 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 and at the same time, these very people who are doing it have the audacity and the effrontery to accuse people like us of wanting to, quote, unquote, ban books. Uh, And, of course, what I'm referring to here is, you know, not allowing school kids to have access to pornographic materials and and other such things in school. And nobody's, you know, barred from buying those kinds of materials if they want to or publishing them. They're free to do that. So, you know, that's the sort of uh, uh, mind screwing that these people excel at. Well, and I wonder if they haven't pushed just a little too far with all of the stuff that's being aimed at kids, those books in particular, but also the the trans ideology and LGBT ideology Mm -hmm. that's being pushed in schools. 
I, I see a breaking point approaching and, and it's people finally standing up and going, you know, we were live and let live until you started taking aim at the kids, but now you're, you're crossing the line. Well, the insanity waxes. Have you heard about trans ableism? No, I haven't. So now, and this is a serious thing. I, I was reading about it and I actually watched some videos about it. The other day, there was a talk show that had a trans ableist on. These are people who uh, have a doctor uh, give them a handicap. There's a woman, for example, who had a doctor uh, bleach her eyes so because she, she identified as blind and she wanted to actually be blind. And apparently there are people who want to be uh, surgically mutilated, to have arms and limbs cut off, be made paral- paralyzed, and so on. And it's just a natural elaboration of this insanity of uh, biological males insisting that they are now biological females because they had somebody cut their junk off. You know, this, this wow. insanity will reach a peak insanity, and I think we're probably getting pretty close to it. Well, and it's it's been very interesting, you know, to see some of the drama in the various state houses. I'm thinking Montana in particular. They have a, a transgender individual who has tried to make the whole session about his, you know, transgenderism. And yep. they, they finally expelled him from the session. Sorry. Yep. We're here to do the work of the people and not to, to carry water for your agenda. And, of course, the press is gathered around this guy out in the hall. And, oh, look how brave he is. They look brave and stunning sitting out here working while they deny his existence. And it's like, no, he's trying to hijack the political process for his own selfish aims. Well, let's cut down to the bone here. I think the way to handle this is to simply point out this man is mentally ill. He's a man in a dress. There's no such thing as a trans anybody. I mean, there may be trannies that, you know, that's what we used to call a man who put on a dress and that's what they are. And that's fine. In, in, in a libertarian sense, I, I, you know, I can't deny the right of another person, male or female, to wear whatever clothes they want to wear. That's their prerogative. I might not do it myself. I might not agree with it. That's their right. But they have no right at all uh, to tell me that I must warp objective reality and go along with their insanity and pretend that a biological male is a female or that a female is a male. That's insanity and it's got to stop. Well, and, and it's there's some interesting flashpoints developing where Antifa types are showing up now at, uh, you know, these all ages drag shows. And uh, I guess I guess somebody's just waiting for someone to, you know, strike the right spark to to get a conflagration going. Well, they're going to get it. You know, I think uh, people like you and I, most people just want to be left alone. They want their kids left alone. Here, here. They want to live their lives in peace. And, you know, they want these people to be free to live their lives in peace. But that's not what we're dealing with here. These people are very aggressive. They're militant and violent. And, you know, at some point, we're going to be able to have to defend ourselves against that. Okay, hold that thought. We're going to come back to talk about uh, altered reality as it pertains to electric vehicles. Eric Peters is my guest. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Eric Peters from ericpetersautos.com is my guest. Yes, there is a link in the show notes today where you can uh, go to his website. You'll, you'll spend some happy time there. A lot of great articles, a lot of great comments under the articles. Eric, I was looking at your uh, Maverick versus Lightning uh, <laughs> article. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I haven't thought about the Edsel for a long time, but uh, you make a very strong case that we're looking at the Edsel of our time in EVs. Yeah, you know, relatively speaking, the Edsel was a winner. It was a sales success compared to electric vehicles. Uh, over the course of its less than three-year lifespan, uh, Ford sold something like 120,000 of them. Uh, last year, Ford sold about 15,000 <laughs> electric lightnings. 
you know, so it gives you some sense of just how bad things are. Uh, and, and then I got into some of the news coverage of this, which, you know, all the it's, it's sort of like with the vaccines and with the masks, you know, the, the press just like uniformly falls over itself uh, to pursue whatever the narrative. And the narrative now is that EVs are uberalis. EVs are just the thing. They're the future. So all we hear on the mainstream news is about EVs. You don't hear about successful Ford vehicles that aren't electric, like their little Maverick pickup, pickup trucks. You know about that truck? I've seen them. Yeah. Yeah, this is a little truck that gets 40 miles per gallon. You know, that's a big news thing. You'd think people would want to hear about that. Uh, and it only costs about $22,000 to start. Hmm, no surprise, the thing sells really well. Ford has sold about 80,000 of the things so far last year. 80,000 versus 15,000. Wow. You know, you'd think, and you'd think, and it's not just that one. Also, Ford is, is building more Broncos, the new, uh, the reincarnated version of the, of the historic 4x4, uh, than it can stamp out. But instead of... Hey, let's let's ramp up another line. Let's let's build another plant to produce as many of these as, as as the market will bear. They keep pushing forward on this EV thing, and you know, in another way, there's another commonality between EVs uh, and the Edsel. In that, you know, the Edsel really wasn't anything new. You know, they tried to market it as something new, but it was just kind of a weird looking Ford, and that's why it didn't get anywhere. And these electric cars, what's new about them? What do they really offer? I mean, other than that, they're quick and that they're quiet. There's nothing there that's really uh, an advantage for the average person. They don't cost less. Uh, they're not easier to use. They're not. Uh, they're not. They're not more practical. So no wonder most people aren't buying them. You know, they're selling chiefly to very rich people uh, in the big cities in places like D.C., New York, and L.A. But that's it, because most people need something that actually works. You know, that they can afford and that's practical. Wow. I, you know, I have to admit, I really didn't know a lot about the Edsel other than, you know, it was, uh, you know, a unique looking car, but what, yep. what was the reason why Ford uh, with, withdrew it from their lineup? Well, it, it wasn't nearly as successful as they'd hoped. It was supposed to be a whole new line of cars, not just a model. Edsel was supposed to be kind of like, uh, uh, sort of like, remember Ford used to have Mercury and, and, and still has Lincoln. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be somewhere in between that. It was supposed to be like a new prestige brand of vehicles. Uh, but it was just a Ford. It had nothing about it that was particularly different from any other run-of-the-mill Ford other than the, the weird-looking front end with that urinal grill that everybody made fun of. Uh, and this marketing. You know, they, you know, they tried to sell people on new, new, new. Look, it's new. So pay us more, more, more. You know, and that's kind of what they're doing with these EVs. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to convince people that this is, oh, it's the latest modern technology, when in fact it's really old technology. Electric cars have been around for more than 120 years. Granted, they're, you know, they're faster now and they're sexier, but fundamentally it's not new technology. Anyway, it's, it's analogous in that there's just nothing really new there and certainly nothing better. And so what are you, what are you, you know, expecting people to pay this massive amount more money for something that isn't going to be any material benefit to them? And duh, as a result of that, things aren't selling very well well you have made me more keenly aware of uh, some of the features that are offered as you know hey look at how great this is your car has lane assist it has things that beep yep. at you when there's someone behind you or beside you or whatever but I, I went for a test drive with my daughter yesterday she was doing uh, the the last test for her driver's permit and we were in mm -hmm. a, i think it was a little toyota rav4 hybrid and it boy it had all the bells and whistles what a, what a neat little, little car but <laughs> At the same time, I was like, good heavens, as a new driver, someone just starting out, you know, there's a lot of stuff to distract her that uh, you and yeah. I didn't have to deal with when, when we were learning to drive. 
No question. Yeah, you know, it's ironic, isn't it, that they present this stuff as a way to uh, uh, ameliorate distracted driving. You know, they'll say people are pecking at their cell phones, which is true. So for that reason, you've got a car that will beep at you if uh, you wander out of your travel lane. And uh, you know, some of them will actually pull the steering wheel and they'll brake for you and they'll do this and they'll do that. Some of them even beep at you if they think that you're getting drowsy and need coffee break. But the net effect of it is that even if you're not distracted, you're constantly being assaulted by these buzzers and chimes and the car doing this and that. And it's, 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 it, what is it? It's distracting. It's also aggravating. It's stressful. It's kind of like having somebody, a mother-in-law behind you in the back seat who's poking at you constantly and saying things in your ear. And it's really hard to keep your time and attention focused on the task at hand. And I will say further, nobody buys this stuff optionally. It's being crammed down our throats, just like EVs. It's not, not enough for them to say, hey, look, this is available. If you feel you need uh, assistance keeping in your lane, if you feel you need assistance with braking, we have the technology. Here it is. Here's the option. You can buy it. Instead, it's being embedded as part of a standard equipment suite in practically every new car on the market. Well, and, and the driving instructor was, was actually you know, warning my daughter. Now, you know, if you take your hands off the wheel um, for more than 10 seconds, the car will automatically shut down. And I was like, you got to be kidding. I mean, not that you're going to be driving with your hands off the wheel, but it, it just seems like a lot of the thinking is being taken out of the act of driving. And I'm not sure that's a good thing. Well, it depends on how uh, what your premise is. I believe that the the purpose for all of this, and there's always a purpose for things, it is to uh, habituate people to uh, not being in control of the car, to getting them used to this idea of being uh, meat sacked around uh, in an automated car. That's what they're they're attempting to habituate and condition people to. And the other side of that is that they're making driving unpleasant. It's annoying to have to deal with all this stuff, to be parented wherever you drive. So a lot of people are going to get to the point where they're going to shrug their shoulders, throw their hands skyward, to the heck with it. I don't care. Let the stupid thing just drive me wherever I need to go. Yep. It was it was fun to, to ride with her, but I thought, man, um, you know, even the, even the little graphic, they have a little touchscreen graphic that pops up that shows you, where's the power coming from? Where's it going to? Is it going from the yeah. engine to the wheels? Is it going to the battery? I mean, it, yes. that's, I'm sorry, but uh, for a guy who's not been around that kind of stuff, that would be very distracting to me while I'm driving. Well, explain to me this, Batman. You know, they tell us that it's bad to look at a cell phone while you're driving, a screen yep. with, you know, whatever's on that screen. But somehow it's okay to have an even bigger cell phone built into the dashboard that you look at while you drive. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm i grateful that uh, that my kid is going to have the chance to, to get her driver's license, but uh, but I am not anxious. I, actually, she and her brother just went in and bought an old uh, Ford Taurus, like a 96 Ford Taurus. Yeah, which, great. Solid car. You know, plenty, yeah. of, plenty of things to keep them occupied, but not overly, you know, distracted. It's a car, you know? I mean, they have to get in and they have to turn a key to start the engine, and they have to pay attention to where they're going, you know, which is good. I, You and I talked a little bit uh, before we got on the air about uh, last summer I taught my niece how to drive uh, stick shift using a, a Miata press car that I had. And, you know, it, it imparted to her not just an additional skill, but additional passion in that she actually liked the experience, found it fun, you know. And, and ultimately, you know, driving is about two things. It's about freedom and fun, and those two things are really closely related. So the more that we can convey that to the next generation, the better. Yeah, by the way, I have to tell you, I really enjoyed your uh, write-up on the uh, Volkswagen Jetta which uh, you'd mentioned that uh, there, there's still a few mm-hmm. cars that come with uh, with uh, manual yeah. transmission, and uh, that was one of them. So if you're looking for a good driving experience, there's one option. 
Yeah, and not only does it come with one, it comes standard with one. And that is as rare to find in a new car as an ashtray. Wow. Uh, you know, you don't have to buy the, the higher performance, uh, more expensive trim, which is typically the case in the, in the vehicles that still offer a manual. It comes standard in the base vehicle and uh, gets really good gas mileage. Like I got 41 or 42 on the highway, I think. And that's a gas engine, not a diesel. That's a gas engine, yeah. You know, Volkswagen builds a really good car, and it's an inexpensive car. I think the base price with the manual and 42 miles per gallon is about $22,000. Okay, I'm going to invite our listeners to check it out. Eric's got a great write-up mm-hmm. on his site, ericpetersautos.com. Eric, great to visit with you. As always, my friend, keep the faith. Ditto, my friend. I look forward to next week. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome back to the show. Thanks again for reveling in wrong think with me. Man, I tell you more and more, I just feel like we are fighting this incredible uphill battle against uh, this this alternative reality that's being imposed on us. In fact, I, I hesitate to call it a reality, but we're forced to believe, you know, you have to say this, you have to think this, you must speak the words, or you're going to be chucked out of, uh, you know, polite society, which, I don't know, the more I look around at society, the more I think, go ahead, <laughs> excommunicate me, kick me out. I don't know if I want to be a part of it. Um, good example of this. I've, I've kept you up to date on uh, some of the things going on with, with Ammon Bundy versus a healthcare giant in Idaho. Long story short, you can go to peoplesrights.org to, to get the full details on this story. But long story short, Ammon intervened last year when this uh, healthcare giant in Idaho participated in the medical kidnapping of a healthy infant boy. I guess he was about a year old. Now he's uh, he's two years old. I just saw a post from his mom on Facebook. By the way, congratulations, baby Cyrus. But uh, because his parents missed a doctor's appointment, that doctor notified Child Protective Services. The state got involved. The healthcare system, of course, stood behind the doctor. And they medically were going to kidnap this kid, take him from his family, and put him with a foster family. And it was all unnecessary. Long story short, it was entirely unnecessary. Ammon organized protests outside the hospital. And after a few days of protests, he got arrested, by the way, for trespassing. But nonetheless, he says it was worth it to stop the injustice that was going on. Now, if you don't know Ammon personally, and I guess most people don't, that's, uh, to me, that is a, that's a true friend. I mean, that's a, that's a guy who is willing to put his own skin on the line to stand up for other people and to stand up for their rights. So in response to this, because of the negative publicity that this healthcare giant was, was receiving for participating in and trying to defend their moves, they have unleashed the biggest law firm in the state. You know, the hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. No, hell hath no fury like the lawyer of a healthcare giant scorned. And wow, have they gone after him? We're talking thousands, possibly tens of thousands of legal briefs and pages sent to him almost on a daily basis. I mean, they are burying him in in lawsuit paperwork and filings and briefs and so forth. So he actually pled, Ammon pled, uh, he took a plea deal on the trespassing charge, 
received credit for time already spent in jail, and uh, I think he paid a fine. Actually, he had a number of, of people who were friends who stepped forward and said, I will pay your fine. It was like $1,200. But then the civil suit is where they have really been trying to go after him and destroy him. And it's, look, I know that there are people who strongly disagree with Ammon, and I would guess most of them get their information about him from mainstream sources. Well, Ammon yesterday filed in federal court asking for the, a change in jurisdiction or a change in, in venue for that civil trial. In other words, the state courts here in Idaho, which, by the way, those judges have shown themselves to be um, anything but impartial, willing to violate their own rules, as in the case of the, the judge over this current civil trial, actually issued an arrest warrant for him because he didn't show up to the civil trial. Now, I don't know if you realize this, but a person, may, they, they don't have to show up to a civil trial. If you don't, of course, you you risk there being a uh, default judgment being made against you, which is what the judge finally did. But holy cow, St. Luke's Healthcare just wants to destroy this man. And so uh, Ammon is turning to the federal court system for protection from the largest institution in Idaho and particularly from an Ada County judge. And it's so fascinating and disturbing to see how the mainstream media here in Idaho has has gone out of their way to portray, well, he's violent, he's dangerous, and it's not just them. As, as I shared with you on the show uh, last week, you know, a, a national TV show, an FBI glorification show, actually mentioned him by name. We don't need another Ammon Bundy standoff, you know. This could be even worse, you know. It's just, there is such a demonization campaign, and above all, they're trying to portray him as, well, he's violent, he's he's scary, he's, he claims he won't use violence, but... They showed uh, some body cam footage of him confronting a couple of deputies who were out there serving papers, prowling around on his property, snooping and inspecting and searching around where they had no right. They were there to drop off papers. They were not there to conduct any kind of search. And Ammon ordered them off his property. One deputy wisely said, okay, I'm out of here. The other one kind of got in his face and got his ego puffed up, you know. Don't you try to boss me around. Nonetheless, it's so revealing how... They're, they're building this case in the court of public opinion that this guy is violent. And, and, of course, Ammon's had people camping out at his house, coming and just, you know, basically being there as a presence of, look, we support him, which has people saying, oh, no, it's going to be another Ruby Ridge. Oh, no, you know, it's it's another standoff. And and it just, I, I marvel at this. Oh, and they, they love to twist any any sense of religion. You know, Ammon, Ammon spoke apparently... On Saturday, there were, there were people who showed up for, for dinner there. And he spoke to them about his faith in God. And, and, you know, I know this as his friend and having had many conversations with him. He's the kind of guy who spends a lot of time humbling himself before God and asking, what would be the best thing to do? And, and I, I can only tell you from personal experience, I know this is a guy who takes very seriously. He wants to be in line with what, what God would have him do. He's not waiting for God to tell him, cleanse the earth. The blood of your victims will cleanse the earth. But that's how the news media is portraying it. It's sickening. And, and you don't have to be, you know, jaded to, to recognize they are trying to set in motion some kind of confrontation. And I, I guess what, what they're really hoping for, if I can just be blunt, the way that uh, certain news media organizations are reporting this, they are trying to, to set in motion something that will result in a confrontation where Ammon is killed. 
preferably by law enforcement, because that will give the righteousness, the, the cover of righteousness to whatever this narrative is that's being portrayed. Now, you may think this is all a conspiracy, and perhaps it is. I don't know. I could be wrong. And this is one of the things I love about Ammon. Even he says, hey, maybe I'm wrong. But I don't think he is. And I'm going to give you an example. One of the, one of the organizations that, that is doing the most right now to spin and to, to try to, to create and construct this false narrative is uh, KTVB Television in Boise. Anything they can do to cast doubt upon Ammon, to cast doubt upon his character. They, they never show a picture of him that isn't his booking photo. It's just, it, it's very calculated. It's, it's flat out evil. But then I want to contrast that with, with a story that they published yesterday. And, and I understand this, maybe, maybe this isn't going to apply to everybody, but I thought this was really interesting. There was a Boise City Council member, Lisa Sanchez, very, very progressive Boise City Council member, who moved outside of her district. And the rules are, if you don't live within the district that you represent, you cannot be the council member for that district. And she tried every trick in the book. She played the race card. Well, I'm a, I'm a uh, you know, woman of color. In fact, uh, somebody was, was talking about, uh, well, you know, it looks like we've elected our first black city council member with someone else. Nope, nope, Lisa steps up. I'm black and I'm the first. And just... Very into racial identity politics. She tried everything in her power to, to get herself reappointed to that, ste- that seat to get reinstated. In fact, she finally filed a lawsuit against the Boise City Council. That they must reappoint her. The will of the people is that I need to be in power. And a judge yesterday said, no. Sorry. As, as Brian Alman from Gem State uh, Substack put it, you know, the, the music uh, stopped and you were still standing. The rules are, you know, you're out of the game. But listen to this headline. Listen to how gentle and, and affirming this headline. Judge makes decision on former Boise Council members' request to be reinstated. Isn't that neutral? Isn't that kind? Isn't that just like soft, loving, fluffy, and warm? But that's because she's ideologically a fellow traveler to those who report the news on, on this television station. I'd, maybe I'm, I'm just picking at details here that I really have no right to pick at. But that's a perfect example of the kind of bias that we're looking at. And I am including a link to the, the latest press release from peoplesrights.org. By the way, KTVB in their report on Ammon uh, went to the professional alarmists, the name callers at uh, the Southern Poverty Law Center. You know, the uh, experts on extremists, uh, one of their own lawyers, by the way, arrested for trying to burn down a police uh, training facility in, in Georgia. Nonetheless, these are the people who are informing the public about who Ammon really is and what he's really about. It's sickening. It's, it's, it's beyond deception, but uh, there are people who eagerly lap it up. And, and the demonic glee that some people get every time oh great there's another lawsuit oh great they're finally coming to take this guy out he's dangerous you can tell which people are getting their information spoon-fed to them by mainstream media sources versus those people who've actually gone to talk to ammon look him in the eye and see uh, you know what he stands for i can tell you this he scares the power structure here in idaho to death he garnered more than 100,000 votes in the governor's race this last year. And it wasn't just by accident. That wasn't just a quirk. There are people who see goodness in this man. This 
is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Quick shout out here to my sponsors, including MonticelloCollege.org, LifesavingFood.com, Let's try that again. Borelli.com and TMCPNation.com. That's, of course, the modern conservative podcast, my friend John Harvey. Three topics I want to hit on real quick here. Great articles that you will find in today's show notes at thebrianheidshow.com. One is from Annie Holmquist. And I know I've talked a lot about Tucker Carlson in the last week or so. I know he's, he's on a lot of people's minds right now. But I want you to check out Annie's essay, highlighting the challenge that Tucker issued to us before his dismissal from Fox News. Now, maybe you heard he spoke on April 21st at the Heritage Foundation. Some have speculated that it was his remarks there that caused his firing, particularly his closing remarks about prayer. And she says, and he says, I only came to this speculation as I was sitting down to write this piece, intending, oddly enough, to write about those specific prayer remarks. You see, they surprised me. She says, it's not often that you hear a looming public figure like Carlson say that kind of thing in a public venue, nor is it often that a figure from the news media says something that challenges me so deeply. She says, Carlson spent much of his speech talking about the challenges and evils we face today, acknowledging the overwhelming nature of them. And then he said, maybe we should all take just like 10 minutes a day to say a prayer about it. I'm serious. Like, why not? And I'm saying that to you not as some kind of evangelist. I'm literally saying that to you as an Episcopalian, the Samaritans of our time. I'm literally coming to you from the most humble and lowly theological position you can. I'm literally an Episcopalian, okay? And even I have concluded it might be worth taking just 10 minutes out of your busy schedule to say a prayer for the future, and I hope you will. End quote. Now, Annie Holmquist said he's absolutely right, she thought. Sure, I pray for the country, but when I do, it's usually a quick little five-second mention in my morning prayers, yet I sit there and shake my head at the breakneck speed with which we're headed toward the cliff, wondering what we're going to do. The answer, as Carlson suggests, is right in front of us. Pray. And she gives some great historical backing on this, too. A letter written by John Adams to his wife, Abigail, calling for prayer and how they relating how the founding generation prayed with fervor. I mean, it's... Anyway, I hope you'll read her her essay. It's really great. She says, I'm hoping I won't be alone in taking this challenge. I'm hoping you two will be challenged to take five or ten minutes a day to pray for this messed up nation of ours and its poor, befuddled citizens. Now, she says, putting myself out there, publicly commenting, or committing rather to do this is daunting, but I believe doing so will help me stick to my promise. And she says, let's sit back and see what our earnest prayers joined together will yield. It may be our last resort, but it's also the best. Now, I, I agree with her wholeheartedly. And I know for I, I have friends who are not believers, and that doesn't make them bad people. Just this is not something that that they are, you know, embracing in, in their life. And that's and that's fine. But I also have a lot of friends who are believers. And so to them I say, I believe there is real power in prayer. I've seen it myself, I've experienced it myself way too many times to doubt. And I'd believe that uh, if there was a time, you know, to pray for your country, and, and I'm talking about even pray for the people you don't necessarily like. Pray for President Biden. 
pray for the people, pray for your enemies. You know, I mean, this is, this is uh, not that they'll succeed, but uh, pray that their hearts will be softened. Pray that they will see light, that they'll see the, the folly of what they are trying to do and where they're trying to take us. Anyway, thus endeth the sermon, but I think this is a wonderful, wonderful article from Annie Holmquist. I hope you'll check it out. By the way, I don't know if you saw uh, the president's uh, re-election announcement that he made um, just recently, talking about uh, you know his, his run des- desire to run again in 2024. But he made a very interesting statement. He talked about, uh, he says, you know, the question that we have to answer in 2024's presidential election is whether we want more freedom or less freedom. And he says, I think I know what my answer would be. And it's so interesting the way he put that because I'm not at all convinced that his answer is, yeah, we need more freedom. But, uh, you know, there's a great article that I'm sharing. This is from American Greatness. And uh, Jim Nellis is the author who says, I agree with Joe Biden. The 2024 election is about freedom. Maybe not the kind that Biden's proposing, but uh, it's it really is about will you choose freedom or will you choose something else? Security, comfort, power over the people you don't like. I'm, I'm afraid that's what's uh, animating a lot of people. But that's something to consider. If, if you are, you know, deeply involved or you consider yourself to be, you know, engaged and invested in the outcome of the 2024 election, something definitely you may want to think about. All right, last but not least, a friend, Ruben, sent me a couple of things yesterday on AI. One was a, an article about uh, Google's uh, former chief of AI. i gotta, I got to pull this up here real quick. This was on Breitbart. Um, Google, apparently their uh, godfather of AI, resigned from Google, warning of the danger of artificial intelligence. That's a little bit alarming. This is a Breitbart story. Glenn Beck actually weighed in on why if we don't pause AI, China will win. And look, I know Glenn Beck can get a little bit dramatic sometimes. To some people, he's a little over the top. But what he had to say here was fascinating. And it gets me wondering, you know, because look, the thing that's so interesting here is AI is rapidly reaching this point where it is becoming capable of learning and advancing itself. And I, I know there are terms of the, the singularity when it becomes self-aware and, you know, it becomes like Skynet or whatever from the Terminator. But the bottom line is everything that that uh, you see that's changed in our lives because now it's digital, now it's computerized, now it's online and that sort of thing. And a lot has changed within our lifetimes, right? Some of us remember payphones. Some of us remember black and white television. Artificial intelligence is is portending a shift at least as big as the internet and possibly bigger. Jeff Minnick, writing for intellectualtakeout.org, has a great essay on real and artificial intelligence. He says, right now, just as I'm writing these words, I'm coming off two hours of revelations that have left me reeling. In fact, he says the phrase mind-blowing is a gross understatement of what has shaken my world to the core. And he says, one cause of this interior earthquake is a poem, what it means to be an American. So here are the first, second, and last of its six stanzas. I am an American, born and raised in a land of opportunity and praise, a country diverse in every way where different cultures come to stay. We are a people who value our rights, our freedom to speak and take up our fights, to vote and to voice our opinions loud in hopes of a better tomorrow. We are proud. 
I am an American, a citizen of this land, and I believe in the power of our collective hand to make a difference, to change the world with a spirit of hope and a flag unfurled. Now, he says it's a little clunky. It's kind of mimicry of poet to Stephen Vincent Benet. Collective hand, he says, strikes me as strangely un-American, and praise in the second line seems a little artificial, employed for rhyme rather than reason. On the other hand, where different cultures come to stay and the ending, a flag unfurled, those were nice touches. Whatever the quality, the poet who composed these lines is quick. And this is the key. This, This poem took about five seconds to write. He says, this is my first encounter with AI. He says, my son and I were talking on the phone when I mentioned I intended to write a series of pieces about being an American, our current state of decline, and possible measures for the restoration of the republic. We then slipped into the topic of artificial intelligence. Now, his son said, hey, let me show you something. He punched in what it means to be an American on his phone and then read me a short, well-written essay that AI had spit out in seconds. And Jeff Minnick says, while my mind was still reeling, my son asked AI to write a poem about being an American. And the verses recorded above smacked me in the head like a left hook. Okay, I said, how about a love scene written in the style of F. Scott Fitzgerald? In less than 10 seconds, out popped the response, which began, her lips were red as an open wound. The rest was mediocre stuff, but so are most love scenes. Still, this was the uppercut that staggered me. Now he says, readers already familiar with AI may wonder at my naivete, but... There it is. I've read about AI for months and here and there online, but I've never before witnessed chat GPT in action. Now, he says, for people who think that AI and robots will never threaten their jobs, I invite you to visit my local grocery store. One cashier at the self-checkout line now does the work of six. Robots clean the floors and stock clerks use handheld electronic devices to check inventory more quickly and more accurately than a squad of employees. Now, to, be cre- to, be, to give credit where credit's due, he says, the creators of artificial intelligence are geniuses. They're inventing machines that can think faster than humans, that can write and calculate better, and bestow great, they may bestow great benefits in fields ranging from medicine to finance. But he says there might be a much darker side than just student plagiarism to artificial intelligence. So, rather than scare you, and that's not my goal here, I am going to encourage you that if uh, if that sparks a little bit of interest or maybe even a little bit of concern, you got a worry line on your forehead, maybe it's time to spend some time delving into it and learning what you can for yourself. Of course, I have a link to Jeff Minnick's article in today's show notes. You can check those out at thebrianhydeshow.com. This is The Brian Hyde Show.